0: podcast greater than yourself. All right. Welcome back to the podcast feed, formerly known as a podcast greater than yourself. <laughs> Soon to be once again known as that. Uh, I am John Barleycorn.
1: And I am Fred.
0: And this week we wanted to plop in here to bring to your attention a new podcast. From a friend of ours who we have had on the show, Agent X,
1: big a big star on the show. I think her episode was very popular, and uh, now she's she's sprouting her own wings and learning to fly.
0: Yeah, her uh, new podcast is called "That's Not in the Book," and I won't offer any spoilers here, so we're not going to discuss what book, but. <laughs> She's she's basing a podcast on a book and things that are not found in that book. It's a little mystery for the listener.
1: Mm-hmm. It could it could be any book. It could be, um, it could be the seven. Um, what is it? The seven things of highly effective.
0: <laughs> They're going to think that it's like a different book every episode. <laughs> it's the book Alcoholics Anonymous. So she's a recovered alcoholic. She's got uh, a passion for the fellowship and the program. And every week, I think she's sitting down with somebody different and just reading through the book and talking about her experience with it and the directions and stuff.
1: The thing I like about it, I've heard a few episodes, and it doesn't seem like there's like a, a schedule. It's really just, they're just going to get through as much as they get through in the time that they have. And um, Yeah. And so it's uh, it's not like we have to get through this chapter in a week.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a, like a big book study. You're just right. like, okay, cool. We're going to go through... You know, however much we get through in this hour, and we're going to discuss, you know, what the authors are talking about. Yep. Yeah, and it's cool. I've enjoyed it so far, and, um, and I thought there was some really great stuff in there, and you really definitely get to know her personality if you haven't caught her episode on our show. But, yeah, uh, check out her podcast. It's available definitely Spotify and iTunes, I think, everywhere probably. It's called That's Not in the Book
1: with Agent X and and John made the music and I imagine we'll both be on future episodes
0: Cool enjoy
1: later
2: Welcome back to That's Not in the Book. I am Agent X, and I am your host. I am so looking forward to this podcast. I can't even begin to tell you because there is nothing I love more than talking about the big book. There's just nothing. It's so dumb. And I remember my partner was like, you know, don't you get bored saying the same thing over and over, talking about the same thing over and over? No, no, sir. He goes, well, I talk about the same thing over and over. I'm like, you're talking about like video editing equipment, you know, the XR7. I was like, do you find that boring? He goes, yes. And I was like, well, does God show up every time you talk about the XR7? He's like, absolutely not. You know, for some reason, something happens every time I talk about this. And so I'm actually faced with a daunting task right now, which is to make the preface and the forewords sound interesting, you know, and I think maybe just I'll just be my like biggest self and see if that works. The truth is, is I've never read the preface or a foreword to any book ever. You know, if I really think about it, I barely read any books in entirety. I mean, ever in my life. So um, the fact that not only am I going to read, but try to talk about the preface and the forewords to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, hopefully, hopefully this works out. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Let's see if I can keep you with me. We're going to start the preface of the big book because, um, you know, there's so much in here. We have the solution to alcoholism coming up. We have the whole miraculous introduction of Alcoholics Anonymous. We have how this thing should have not worked and then worked over and over and over. Like, it's actually like an action film, you know, up into the the doctor's opinion. So I think that it's something that we can't leave out when we are starting this Journey. I hate when people use the word journey, except for like a long trip. Really, don't do that, Agent X. Don't do that. Uh, so let's start at the preface. And I don't think I'm going to read word for word, but I'm going to uh, read read the good bits. Because this book has become the basic text for our society and has helped such a large number of alcoholic men and women to recovery, there exists strong sentiment against any radical changes being made to it. Listen, we've just started and I already have stuff to talk about. First of all, it's telling me how we're going to recover. Well, it's in this book. So if we're interested in, like, some other solution to alcoholism, that's fine. But as far as Alcoholics Anonymous goes, the solution to recovery is in this book. And we are not even at page one yet. Um, And it's talking about how radical changes being made to this book is unnecessary. I have, I like to joke about, like, how feminist am I? Well, if you'd like to know, don't worry, I'm not getting political here in any part of this series. But on a scale of to the wives to Ra- Ruth Bader Ginsburg, how feminist am I? Well, incredibly, you know, I'm I'm Ruth. I, I actually have a hairless cat named Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Swear to God, that's the thing you know that's who that's who i am and the reason that i state that is because if you're going to sell me a book like this and a solution that says things like calls women women folk you're going to need to come at me with a really strong solution right so if i as this person can get past some of the language i also feel like if if i'm going to be unwilling because of something written this long ago and the words being used I'm just making excuses not to recover. I'm simply making excuses as to why I'm not willing. And if I think about, you know, why I recovered in the first place, it was my simple willingness brought on by incredible suffering. And today, why I'm still willing to keep looking at this, again, my own manufacture of misery happens to keep coming. And that this stuff works, you know, this stuff works. So I understand that the pronouns and the adjectives, and I'm all for that in the real world, but it's telling me why right now radical changes, we're just not going to do that. Therefore, the first portion of this volume describing the AA recovery recovery program, look, there is a recovery program, has been left largely untouched in the course of revisions made for the second, third, and fourth editions. On the next page at the bottom says all changes made over the years in the big book, AA members spawn nicknames for this volume have had the same purpose to represent the current membership of Alcoholics Anonymous more accurately and thereby to reach more alcoholics. Why are we doing this? Dude, I got the solution to alcoholism. Like, let me hook you up. And I think that that, that um, flame being set in Bill has carried on for 85 years. And that that is on offer here. And that's really exciting to me. If you have a drinking problem, we hope that you may pause and reading one of our 42 personal stories. Now, it's telling us why we have personal stories. There's no directions in there, there just isn't. I'm sorry, sorry about, you know, acceptance is the answer. Usually it's not, usually acceptance isn't, but we'll get there. <laughs> yes, that happened to me, or more important, yes, I felt like that, or most important, yes, I believe this program can work for me also. So I do endeavor the things that I say when I talk about my alcoholism, that somebody can relate to that. And simply that I was a hopeless, chronic alcoholic. I was bedridden by the end of my alcoholism. And that doesn't even make me an alcoholic. It's not even one of the reasons. We'll find that out in the doctor's opinion. But... Uh, I was hopeless and there was no chance in my recovery. But these people, a hundred of them, came up with a solution that I, Agent X, did not make up. And thank God for that. You know, I'm a hairdresser. You don't want my opinion on your life of recovery, right? You don't m- want my opinion. You want, you could get my opinion about a fringe or some bangs. The answer is probably no, you know? Do you want to turn your hair red after a breakup? Again, answer is no. But uh, if you want my opinion on recovery, don't. Don't the solutions laid out, and let's get to that. It's incredible. So let's start at the forwards to the first edition as well. I'm also not going to read everything, but we have Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered. People who say that they're still recovering probably don't know that you can, right? Like, I think that people, there's a big divisive moment when an alcoholic uses the word recovered but I'm recovered today because it says that I am you know I've been restored to sanity from following the instructions and in Dr. Bob's nightmare at the very end it even says that I'm cured so today I am recovered and a hundred men and women at the very beginning of us showed me how from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body To show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. It's not a novel, it's a textbook. For them, we hope these pages will improve so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the alcoholic is a very sick person. And besides, we are sure that that our way of living has its advantages for all. Uh, It says, when writing or speaking publicly about alcoholism, we urge each of our fellowship to omit his personal name, designating himself instead a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I feel like I'm really lucky. I remember in the first like week of recovery, I remember this vividly. I remember the guy who was speaking on it. I was at an anonymity meeting and it was just straight off the bat hearing his name was Mike. Hi, Mike. Happy birthday. It is actually his 31 years today. Strangely, um, I remember vividly hearing the words out of his mouth explaining why we're anonymous and why my name is Agent X and why you don't know what I look like Um It's because I go out into the world as a sober person. I go out into the world actually as a sober alcoholic. And if sober alcoholic Agent X drinks again, then my neighbors and co-workers and people in the world are going to say, wow, sober Agent X drank again. If sober AA member Agent X went out into the world... Claiming Alcoholics Anonymous is my solution and I drink again, then Alcoholics Anonymous fails. And I am not the power, right? I'm giving a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual experience. And, And, you know, today I've done the things. There's a bunch of things I have to do to stay sober. Does that mean I'll probably stay sober the rest of the day? Absolutely it does. But, um, but I don't know what's going to happen in my life. I don't know. None of this is promised forever. So, so yes, I do think that anonymity is one of the greatest spiritual traditions that we have and why I think stopping and talk about that at the very beginning of this is important. Uh, and then in the very end of this forwards, we shall be interested to hear from those who are getting results from this book particularly from those who have commenced work with other alcoholics we should like to be helpful to such cases. So, how good is this that it's already telling me the solution to alcoholism? My end game, right? You're going to read this book and then go help others. You're going to perform this stuff and then go help people. You know? I love it. It's right here. We're not even at page one yet and it's telling me the solution to alcoholism. Amazing. Forwards to the second addiction. I'm starting at the bottom. The spark that was to flame into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a new york stockbroker and an akron physician so what we do know today is that stockbroker was bill w and the akron physician was dr bob six months earlier the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the oxford group of that day so who's the friend that's evie and evie comes into play in bill's story And what did Ebby have? Ebby rocks up to Bill's house, right? And he's like, yo, I'm sober. And Bill knows Ebby as a jackass like him, right? Bill knows they are drunk drunks together. And he sees that Ebby's sober and he's like, yo, what are you doing? And Abby's like, bro, I got religion. And Bill's like, er, no. And so what Abby had, however, was the Oxford group. And the Oxford group was just a highly Christian, Christian set of tenets or principles. And what that meant is just a way for these men to live. And it wasn't necessarily designed for alcoholics, but in the beginning it did work. And so bill doesn't take this right away and again in bill's story it's going to talk about why he doesn't grab onto this right away and it's the mention of you know the singleness of religion that that he couldn't get on board with that part of it however he does come around later and we'll talk about that in the doctor's opinion and and by the late uh, dr william d silkworth of new york specialist in alcoholism who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by aa members and who's story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. So Dr. Silverworth is the person who has learned from first hand experience, but not as an alcoholic, you know, what alcoholism is. He identifies the phenomenon of craving. He identifies that we need more than psychological help. Like we can't just talk to our inner child and make this work is what he's telling us. He's he's the one who's telling us that if you have this, why do so many alcoholics die of alcoholism? Because we're supposed to. That the most unnatural state for me to be in as a chronic alcoholic is sober. And that he doesn't have the complete solution for us, but he does know how to identify it though we, he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford group, he was convinced of the need for a moral inventory, so he did understand that we needed the step four. Confession of personality defects, which is our step five. Restitutions to those harmed, step nine. helpfulness to others, step twelve. And the necessity of a belief in and dependence upon God, which is step three. Uh, I always heard that it started out as a six-step program, but Bill um gave us 12 steps to make it easier and that's just such an alcoholic thing to do and mind you when I'm talking about all the history of Alcoholics Anonymous if I'm wrong I am open to being wrong I actually prefer to be wrong in some cases so mind you you can always email me about anything I'm getting wrong prior to his journey to Akron the broker had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help another alcoholic why because I'm the only one who understands what it's like to drink in the face of insanity, you know, jail, institution, or death, or me having a drink, and there's the wine in my hand. It doesn't make sense, you know, and I think... I think when we talk about the severity of step one and why over a third of the book is dedicated to understanding alcoholism, like very well-intentioned people in my life could not understand why I was drinking myself to death. Very well-intentioned people that I'm paying to listen to my problems, you know, have to start coming up with other causes for what could possibly be wrong with me other than I simply have alcoholism, you know? We're going to have to blame my dad. We're going to have to blame my childhood. We're going to have to blame triggers and trauma and all these things that in my heart I knew truly didn't exist. What I did have, however, was alcoholism. And when I'm able to explain that to another alcoholic person, the light comes on, which it never did before. And I was talking to a newcomer last night and she said, I'm sitting in my therapist's office and I'm getting angrier and angrier because the longer I stay in AA, the longer I realize she doesn't have a solution for me. And um, it's like a win-lose situation, like, oh, crap, i paid a lot of money to someone who's telling me, you know, to talk to this inner child who is currently 43, drinking herself to death, you know, it just, it just that stuff, we've tried that, and very well-intentioned people were like, why don't you just try two, and I'm like, well, David, thanks for that, never thought of two, you know. But when I can explain to you what alcoholism is, uh, then I can actually offer you a solution and give you some hope that works. But he had had six, he had succeeded only in keeping himself sober. The broker had gone to Akron on a business venture, which had collapsed, leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. That alcoholic turned to be a turned out to be the Akron physician. And this is the moment where, you know, the first myth that we're going to talk about, that's not in the book, which is if I feel like I'm going to drink in early recovery, do I call my sponsor or do I call someone that I can help? And, you know, it's laid out beautifully when we're talking about the Mate Flower Hotel and Bill W. is going to drink. And he's been sober for six months. He's been helping all these people. We find out later that he was leading with God like, ah. Oh, you need God instead of, hey, here's a solution. To, here's the, what alcoholism is, which is phenomenal, of a craving, a mental obsession. So and Dr. Silkworth is the one that helped him figure out how to what to lead with. Um, that he's in a lot of trouble. You know, he hasn't succeeded with any alcoholics. And and in a moment, he feels like he's going to drink. And then he has the thought that he is either going to drink or he's going to call someone. And it wasn't a sponsor. And today, if Bill called Ebby I'd probably be dead. So it's telling me, we're, again, not even to page one, it's telling me that um, when he went to go help Bob, the compulsion to drink that he had that day was removed. This physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma. Me too, you know. I I came to AA eight years before I actually was willing to do the work required to recover. And I'll talk about that more as you get to know me. But um, during the time of leaving Alcoholics Anonymous eight years prior and to being brought to my knees, you know, beaten into a place of reasonableness eight years after, I tried all the things to stop drinking. And it wasn't even to stop drinking. It was simply just to control the amount of, to stem the bleeding, you know, the the tornado that was caused every time, the pain that was caused every time, the destruction that was caused every time. I just wanted to drink without the consequences that started progressing in my life. And I tried all the things, you know, um, one of the things I tried was, was religion. And I loved Christianity because I could have God and wine at the same time. And it's telling me like that, that can be your higher power and that can work for you. But we have more steps than that, right? I have more steps than just believing that this guy existed. There's, there's a unique set of principles and work that has to be done as an alcoholic woman, regardless of my religious practice. And Bob's saying that too, that that's what he did. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, The physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never before seen able to muster. He sobered never to drink again up until the moment of his death in 1950. This seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. You know, how many people are you helping? How many people are you working with? Because I think a lot of people um, that I help want what I have, air quotes, um, but not a lot of people do what I do. And from the very first page, very first setup, you know, part of my recovery... It's a pyramid, and at the top of that is strenuous work with other alcoholics. And that's a bit, this is all bare minimum, you know, the podcast and helping people and rehabs and all this work. This is my bare minimum to stay in the state of serenity, peace, happiness, and joy that I get to experience today. And uh, strenuous work. So you can just ask yourself, you know, fact check with yourself. First of all, how are you doing? Second of all, how strenuous is your work with other alcoholics? as this is a vital part of permanent recovery. Are you just going to a lot of meetings drinking again? Are you going to meetings just to stave off, you know, the next drink for a while? Uh, Are you doing a lot of yoga? As that's not in the book, you know? To stay in a place of permanent recovery, he explains from the beginning that it's strenuous. It's a lot of work, right? Hence, the two men set to work almost frantically upon alcoholics arriving in the ward of the Akron City Hospital. Their very first case, a desperate one, recovered immediately. You know, did you recover immediately? Were you approached? and the back of someone else's step 12. Did someone come up to you and offer you the solution to alcoholism? Because someone did that to me. The first step that I experienced in the meeting wasn't one. It was my sponsor's step 12. It was someone someone else coming to me and offering nothing but the solution to alcoholism. Uh, he became AA number three. He never had another drink this work at Akron continued through the summer of 1935. There were many failures. And you know, I'm not in the results business. Who I help has nothing to do with me. My name, Agent X, comes from the part in the book where I'm no longer God. I'm just one of his agents. And I cannot actively be playing God and being his agent at the same time. There's no such role. Uh, However, I'm not in the results business. That isn't part of it. It says that if I just perform his work, he'll keep me safe and sound. You know, he'll keep this compulsion at bay and to give me a better life. And it doesn't say that people have to follow the instructions and get well in order for me to receive. But there was an occasional heartening success when the broker returned to New York in the fall of 1935. The first AA group had actually been formed, though no one realized it at the time. Popping over to the bottom of the next page. By the close of 1941, AA numbered 8,000 members. The mushrooming process process was in full swing. AA had become a national institution. Our society then entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. The test that it faced was this. Could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics successfully meet and work together? Would there be quarrels over membership, leadership, and money? Would there be strivings of power and prestige? Would there be schisms which would split AA apart? Soon AA was beset by these very problems on every side and in every group. But out of this frightening and first disruptive experience, the conviction grew that AA had to hang together or die separately. We had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. It's telling me... Already, what AA has done. And there was a, what are they called? An archivist or something. And she came to this convention in Sydney three or four years ago. And it was the most amazing thing listening to the history of AA. And all I can do is just beg you to dive deeper into this. Basically, everything that happened from the time Bill was, Ebby came to Bill, you know, if one thing changed, we wouldn't be here. And it's absolutely incredible. Um, so this is talking about the AA traditions to this day, knowing what the traditions are going through them and teaching others, um, there isn't a problem so far that AA hasn't already solved with the traditions. And if you talk to a person like my partner who like runs companies and stuff, this shouldn't exist. The fact that we don't have a president, I like to say, I don't work here. You know, the fact that we're not organized in the least amount of organization is is the best thing for us. It doesn't make sense that we exist. So, again, we can start to see miracles simply from the constructions of Alcoholics Anonymous. But we have to be unified as our fellowship or pass off the scene. Either we're going to stay in effect Alcoholics Anonymous which is teaching how to recover one alcoholic to another as a result of these steps and following the traditions or we're gonna die. As we discovered the principles by which the The individual alcoholic could live, so we had to evolve principles by which the AA groups and AA as a whole could survive and function effectively. So, good news, you and I don't have to make this step up. It was thought that no alcoholic man or woman should be excluded from our society, that our leaders might serve but never govern. That each group was to be autonomous and there was to be no professional class of therapy. There was to be no fees or dues. Our expenses were to be met by our own voluntary contributions. There was to be the least possible organization. Even in our service centers, our public relations were to be based upon attraction rather than promotion. It was decided that all members ought to be anonymous at the level of press, radio, TV, and films. Does that mean Facebook? It absolutely means Facebook. And in no circumstances should we give endorsements, make alliances, or enter into public controversies. And we can see this today. We can see celebrities who break anonymity and then go batshit, you know. They don't speak for AA as a whole. And just a side note, they don't speak for me. And another side note, I don't speak for Alcoholics Anonymous as a note. You know, my only aim with this is to be helpful. And if you don't like what I say, that's absolutely fine. This is a substance of AA's 12 traditions, which are stated in full on page 161 of this book. Though none of these principles had the force of rules or laws, they had become so widely accepted by 1950 that they were confirmed by our first international conference held at Cleveland. Today, the remarkable unity of AA is one of the greatest assets that our society has while the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out public acceptance of AA grew by leaps and bounds for this there were two principal reasons the large number of recoveries and reunited homes what a promise already um these made their impressions everywhere of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried right so this is my success rate again <laughs> Of alcoholics who came to Alcoholics Anonymous and really tried, what does really trying mean? Well, for me, the evidence of that is that I'm going to work a 12-step program as the way it's laid out in the big book, you know? Really trying is simply doing the instructions as they're given. And it says over and over and over that willingness is the most important thing that I can have here. So if I'm really trying, it means that I'm simply willing to do what I'm told, to go against what my ego says, and to do something that I genuinely don't want to do. Of alcoholics who came to AA and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way for 20 and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses, and among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. Other thousands came to a few AA meetings and at first decided they didn't want the program. But great numbers of these, about two out of three, began to return as as time passed. You know, I love talking about the first time I came to AA because there was this woman, her name was Nicole, and she helped me, you know, she... I asked her to be my sponsor because I didn't know what that was and she had me at her house and we were reading the book and she was so nice and she's so kind and loving and the truth about the first time in AA is I didn't do any of the stuff required, right? I didn't do any of the things. I'd stand up and tell you tips and tricks to how to stay sober and I would, you know, tell you how my day was and I'd put out chairs and eat free donuts and, you know, I wasn't doing any of the things and... Um, when I left, I didn't tell her I was leaving. And for for years, I was so self-centered. I was always like, she must wonder where I am. I'm sorry, but as a pretty, you know... Going to sponsor school for a while, as I do now. Uh, she didn't. She doesn't think about me. I promise. She doesn't even remember me. But the truth is, is that her time that she spent with me wasn't wasted. There was seeds planted all over that first AA experience. So if you're just starting out and you're ready to start sponsoring people, this isn't about results. You know, this is about. I'm going to give the message. I'm going to drop it down at your feet, and I don't know who's going to pick it up. And. If they do or what they're going to do with it, that's none of my business. But she fulfilled her 12th step by trying and telling telling me her experience with AA and recovery. And even though I didn't pick up what she was dropping at my feet for eight years, I knew exactly where to come when I was ready. Um, at the very bottom, it says, alcohol being no respecter of persons, we are an accurate cross-section of America and in distant lands, the same demographic evening up process is now going on. So we found out very early on that alcoholism uh, isn't racist. It has no religion. It has no gender. It has no age. It has no ethnicity. And the reason that that's so important is to remember that all of the people in all of the lands in all of the world have but one symptom in common is what the book says and that's that when I start to drink I can't comfortably stop I have the phenomenon of craving and so do people with different lives in different parts of the world with different genitalia with different economic standards with very different parents and we have the one solution for everyone. And at the very end of this, for the second edition, it says, Yet it is our great hope that all those who have as yet found no answer may begin to find one in the pages of this book and will presently join us on the high road to a new freedom. I'm going to skip the forward to the third edition, but please read it and we'll start back, end this with the forward to the fourth edition. I'm three paragraphs down. As the message of recovery has reached larger numbers of people, it has also touched the lives of a vastly greater variety of suffering alcoholics. When the phase, We Are People Who Would Normally Would Not Mix, page 17 of this book, was written in 1939, it referred to a fellowship composed largely of men and a few women with quite similar social, ethnic, and economic backgrounds. Like so much of AA's basic text, these words have proved to to be far more visionary than these founding members could ever have imagined. Can you imagine 1930? Like, if I, the human that I am, was an alcoholic woman back then, there was, I would have just died. I should have just went outside and been put down with the dog. You know, there was, there was nothing for me. And the fact that this group of white men were able to come to this this place where they're like, you know what, we have a solution for everybody. It's not only revolutionary for the time, it was a miracle and thank God for this. Um, like so much of AA's basic text, those words have proved to be far more visionary than the founding members could have ever imagined. The stories added to this edition represent a membership whose characteristics of age, gender, race, and culture have widened and have deepened to encompass virtually everyone the first 100 members could have hoped to reach. Well, our literature has preserved the integrity of the AA message. What is the AA message? What message are you carrying? You know, the AA message is in the literature. It's in this book. Sweeping changes in society as a whole are reflected in new customs and practices within the fellowship. Does that mean that we just go to meetings to stay sober? Well, no, no, that's not at all what it means. It says, taking advantage of technological advances, for example, AA members with computers can participate in meetings online, sharing with fellow alcoholics across the country or around the world. In any meeting, anywhere, AA share experience, strength, and hope with each other in order to stay sober and help other alcoholics. Modem to moment, modem, or face to face, AA speak the language of the heart in all its power and simplicity. And I understand like this pandemic has been fatal, heartbreaking, horrible for so many people. And um, I think when this first started, and we had to go online, I was very concerned about the people in AA that were just going to meetings to stay sober. You know, I was very concerned that if going to a church basement and you know sitting there talking about your problems and white knuckling not drinking and only by being in that meeting was keeping you sober, you know, that's such a scary thought when the solutions on offer. And I I think some of the miracles when you're looking for them since March, especially in my life, you know, the first is how quickly I saw unity in my area that everyone banded together to help each other set this up and i know that there were you know people who were specifically able to help set up zoom and there were people to call and we're all talking to each other about how to get our meetings online we're reaching out to the still the still sick we're making sure everybody can do this and how quickly we all were unified by that just as a fellowship of alcoholics anonymous and then Above and beyond that, my personal experience, and I hope this doesn't offend, is that this last year, since March, first of all, I've grown spiritually more in the last year than I have in the past half a decade before combined. And the second is the fellowship that I craved since I got sober has been gifted me, you know, through the internet through this world of AA that's now so readily available through why I can record this podcast from the beautiful sunny afternoon of my living room in Sydney and you know the amazing gifts for an alcoholic living the spiritual life that this has all given to us um of course of course this doesn't negate how hard things have been for a lot of people and I understand in and hear you, you know, my partner lost his job during this as well. And it's not saying that, um, that there isn't hard times, but I've seen unity. I've seen love. I've found friendship and fellowship. And as a result of this program, all I can do is hope that you've can find the same. Thanks so much for joining us. Next week, we're going to be talking about the doctor's opinion. Uh, So excited to start talking about what Dr. Silkworth says to Bill and why everything changed for us as alcoholics. So I'll talk to you again. And please remember, you can always email me at that's not in the book at hotmail.com. the fucking book